4: Monday morning the 7th of January Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am This is Michael Reid on LMFM A cross party group of more than 200 MPs in the UK have written to the Prime Minister The letter that has also been signed by many business leaders outlines how they will insist on Theresa May reaching a deal with the EU before the UK leaves the Union. They say the UK must not crash out of the EU, urging that a no-deal Brexit cannot take place. All that is well and good, but Mrs May has a withdrawal deal agreement with the EU, which she hopes will be ratified around the 15th of this month. The problem she has, though, is that as many as 200 MPs are set to vote against that deal, predominantly because of what the DUP calls the poisonous and toxic backstop in the agreement designed to prevent a border on the island of Ireland. Let's see if we can try to square this circle at all with Minister Regina Doherty, who's uh, the Minister for Employment Affairs and uh, local Fine Gael TD, as you know. And a uh, very good morning to you, Minister, and Happy New Year to you for that matter and thank you indeed uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. Do you care good to... Morning, spe-
5: Michael, happy New Year to you and your listeners. Hopefully it'll be a good
4: one. Indeed. Do you, well, do you care to speculate on what might happen in Westminster over the coming weeks?
5: Do you know what? You could speculate for hours or for days and weeks as to what might happen because the permutations are probably very wide and varied. But to be honest with you, that's the responsibility of the parliamentarians in Westminster to decide what outcome they want. Uh, We've spent the last number of years in the EU negotiating with the uh, United Kingdom representatives and we have come up with a withdrawal agreement that has been accepted and ratified by the EU 27. It's been accepted and ratified by the Cabinet uh, at Westminster and they now have to work it out themselves in their own Parliament um, to see if it'll be as it is now when it comes out the other end or if it'll be changed. But it is their responsibility. I mean, I think you know that the doll overwhelmingly endorsed uh, the withdrawal agreement a couple of months ago, actually probably only a couple of weeks ago at this stage. Um So it's up to them over the next couple of weeks to decide whether they accept the withdrawal agreement, whether they make changes to it, whether they instruct, you know, their cabinet to do different things. But it is ultimately the responsibility of Westminster. So uh, I don't think it would be fair or helpful, to be honest, if you if Irish politicians started to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. No more than we wouldn't appreciate if they told us what to do. So,
4: And what odds would you give on the return of a hard border?
5: Well, I think that you know, and actually I, I really, really welcome Theresa May's statements over the weekend. There's nobody countenancing or nobody wants the return to a hard border. And so if we all focus on what we want then I think that the responsibility lies on all of us to make sure that we don't get what we don't want. None of us wants a hard border. Everybody wants, you know, a, a good economic trade deal between the United Kingdom and the EU. That's what we all all want. We all want to keep the relationship as close as possibly as it can be to the current trading relationship and uh, enjoyable collegial relationship that we have with the United Kingdom. And And I guess the
4: evidence of that is uh, that uh, the majority of MPs have made that known in this letter to Mrs May. They don't want to crash out. They don't want a no-deal scenario. In fact, uh, they're talking about partially closing down government. Trump-style closure of government is how it's been put. And uh, paralysing a lot of the workings of government, if that is uh, the case. So, I mean, it's a pretty strong opinion that they're voicing at the same time. And as always with all things Brexit, there is an ironic twist. And this time around, it's that the majority of MPs are going to vote against the deal that's on offer.
5: Yeah. Well, again, you don't like they're they're going to start probably one of the most significant and important debates in the history of the United Kingdom today. Mm. I think what's really important is, is that none of them, for and all for individual reasons. I mean, some of it is because they don't want a hard border on the island of Ireland. Some of it is because they know, excuse me, the disastrous outcome that a hard Brexit would be for the economy and for the people of the United Kingdom. They all have different reasons for not wanting to crash out. Uh, there are some people, obviously, who would. Mm out, but they're in the tiny minority. So I think the responsibility for what it is that they want for the best outcome for the United Kingdom and for the people, and also for the Island of Ireland, they have a responsibility under the Good Friday International Agreement. The people in Northern Ireland have a responsibility not only for the people in Northern Ireland but for the Isle of Ireland. We all have different reasons as to why we want to see mm. uh, a proper and orderly exit from the United or from the European mm, Union. Yeah. Um, but as I said. Anything can happen in politics, anything can happen over the next couple well, of weeks. But what I am heartened by, and sorry to blather on, is that the vast majority of parliamentarians in the United yeah. Kingdom want to have a good trading relationship. Mm-hmm. They want to have peace in the island of Ireland. They want to respect um, their parliamentary responsibilities to international agreements.
4: Mm-hmm. There's you know, f- so. there, there's few who aren't hoping against hope that there won't be the return of a hard border on this island or that the UK won't crash out of the European Union. But as things stand on paper, it's very hard to see otherwise.
5: Yeah, well, I, I don't necessarily agree because, first of all, they can accept the withdrawal agreement as the doll has overwhelmingly done so. Um, or as well, I... that's what I mean.
4: On paper, weekend. it seems as though that's not going to happen.
5: Yeah, but again, a week is an awfully long time mm. in politics and you can even see the difference in the dynamic today and the last couple of days to where we were at such a heightened kind of frenzy before Christmas. When you put a bit of space and time between people, as has happened over the break at or at Christmas, um, people come back in a different frame of mind or they come back thinking slightly differently. And as we all know, the 29th of March is only a short number of weeks away. And we all know if the worst happens, what that worst is going to look like. And I really am heartened genuinely that most people in the United Kingdom don't want that worst mm. to happen. They recognise that they want what's best for the United Kingdom, for its people, for its future. And that is having, you know, an orderly Brexit to ensuring um, the international agreement that is the Good Friday, the Belfast Agreement, to making sure that we maintain good economic ties and relationships with the United Kingdom uh, and the EU. All of us know what the sensible outcome mm. is. Um, it just sometimes takes us a couple of Times around the round But around it is
4: the even more pressing yeah. than that, Minister Doherty, is it not, in, in that this vote will probably take place on the 15th if it takes place at all because uh, it was uh, cancelled before Christmas, postponed before Christmas uh, because uh, there was no way of passing it. It seems as though there's even more opposed to what's on offer now. But if it goes ahead on the 15th of January, uh, you've less than a, a week then to what is the deadline, the 21st of January, uh, which uh, is the date that uh, has to see the agreement of, of uh, the terms for the divorce if it is to happen by the 29th of March.
5: Yeah, well, those, those deadlines, in fairness, are self-imposed by the procedures and the standing orders that exist in the Parliament in Westminster um, because, in fairness, we've agreed that we could pass the legislation that we need in a matter of days with mm. the cooperation um, of the opposition. The European Union can pass... It's required legislation to the European Parliament probably in a couple of days. Um, it's Westminster's procedures and protocols that okay. determine things to have to lie in wait for days before second stage and third. Like they've a different
4: procedure. Well than we from, have. Our point in, of, from our point, point of view, from our point of view r- r- Okay, but from our point of view, what is the deadline?
5: Um as as close as it possibly needs to get to to ensure that we get the right outcome. I think what Mm. we decided... Well, it
4: doesn't need to be the 29th of March either. No,
5: no. No, no, it certainly doesn't. What we decided...
4: Does it need to be the 29th of April?
5: No, we decided at Cabinet last week that there is a number of pieces of legislation that obviously would have to be drafted, both primary and secondary legislation, in the event of a hard Brexit. Mm. No, but the, um, the exit
4: date can be pushed out, uh, and it can be pushed out perhaps to the 29th of April. But is it possible to push it out to the 29th of May, let's say, given that European elections are due to be held in May?
5: Well, again, I think if there was an extension... Uh, requires that would have to be a decision made by the Parliament in Westminster and they would have to ask
4: mm. the
5: EU negotiating team and then the EU27 would consider uh, that extension in good faith. Um, I'm not sure, depending on where we are, whether an extension of a month uh, would be seen as a viable option. But again, look, everybody wants... But the 29th of May
4: is not a runner. Is it given that the elections are due to be held in May?
5: Well, the elections will go ahead on the 24th of May um, and if the United Kingdom is still within... Um, the European Union, then they, w- they will obviously be included in the elections. If they're not, if they've gone from the 29th of March, then they won't be. But it's very difficult to answer these questions, Michael, mm. to be honest with you, until we figure out what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, and until people make it a reality of what their ambition and their wishes are. Um, and that will play out. This is, as I said, an extremely important debate in Westminster this week and next week. I don't know whether the, debi- or the, the vote will happen on Wednesday. I don't know whether it'll be the first, the second, or the third vote. I don't know whether... Mm. You know, none of us know. But what I do know is is that the intention of the vast majority of the people in Westminster want an orderly Brexit. They want the best trading and colluded relationship between neighbours of the United Kingdom. They want to protect the international. If we all want the same thing, where there is a will, there's a way, we can make it happen.
4: Okay, but if there isn't, there's the prospect of uh, the return of a hard border on this island, which is uh, the most important of all of the issues for the people listening to us uh, this morning. Uh, And what plans are in place for such a scenario?
5: Well, I think, and we're probably blue in the face saying this, and you're probably even bluer in the face listening to it, there are no plans to return to a hard border. We are not countenancing having a hard border. Nobody is. Not the people in Northern Ireland that are representative on um, in the European stage or in Westminster. And there is nobody in Westminster cancelling the return of a, a hard border. There are people trying to come up with technological solutions that would ensure that we don't have it, and they're very abstract and bizarre at the moment. Mm. But what we all know is that we do not want... A border on uh, a hard border between the north of Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Everybody is adamant that that's what we don't want, and so therefore there's absolutely nobody preparing for that. Um, along probably the lines, Michael, is that if you prepare for something, it has a, a possibility of happening. We all know that we don't want it. We are not countenancing it, and we are certainly not preparing for it. What we are preparing for is uh, any number of eventualities that can happen and could be the outcome of uh, motions and counter motions and amendments to the withdrawal agreement in the next week to 10 days. And obviously we are also preparing in the event that there is no deal, we're preparing the kind of legislation that we will require uh, as an Irish country and as a parliament to make sure that we Mm. protect the rights uh, of Irish citizens living in the UK and UK citizens living in Ireland.
4: Okay, the Taoiseach uh, is quoted in the papers uh, today as saying uh, that if MPs vote against the withdrawal agreement then they run the risk of of, uh, bringing back a hard border on this island uh, and uh, that's uh, the reality that despite good intentions uh, it is something that will not be avoided Uh, so it would sound as though it is something that is being countenanced
5: excuse me well i don't think so um i think the Taoiseach has also said that in the event of the withdrawal agreement being ultimately and um, um, outrightly rejected, we would have to have a deal for a no-deal scenario. So, again, I go back to what we all want to achieve, which is an orderly Brexit, um, obviously ultimately the United Kingdom leaving the EU, but having the best economic and collegiate relationship that we can with our nearest neighbours. And mm. um, Obviously, that's far more critical for the people in the Republic of Ireland than it would be for argument's sake, the people in Germany or, you know, Slovakia. Um, but... We all know what we want, and in order to avoid what we don't want, we have to concentrate and make a reality of what it is that we do want. Uh, the debate is going to happen starting today. It, it is going to be crucial. It's going to be um, probably combative. It's going to be argumentative. It will be... Um, there are lots of people that have opposition to certain parts of the agreement, the withdrawal agreement, but there's an awful lot of people that see a lot of value in a lot of the agreement. So maybe we might see amendments to the withdrawal agreement that then obviously would have to be considered by the EU. But what we need to focus on is that we all know what we do want, which is a good trading relationship, to have collegial relations, to have the independency and the authority of the international agreement, that's the Good Friday Agreement, um, confirmed and you know written mm. into all of our futures, Uh, and to protect the island of Ireland against having a hard border down the middle of it.
4: And what about this story on uh, the front of uh, the Irish Times uh, today, uh, that some letters basically explaining what a a backstop is uh, will be exchanged between the EU and the UK in the hope uh, that people will understand what they're voting for?
5: Yeah, I think um, what was discussed over the weekend is that there will be an exchange um, of letters to, I suppose, to establish in writing exactly how temporary the backstop can be. I think the backstop is probably one of the biggest um, opposition uh, parts of the withdrawal agreement. And I think mm. we're well aware of the position of the DU people. We're also aware that there are you know, MPs in, in Westminster that have an issue with the backstop for fear that they may never get out of the backstop. And I think what we need to be as helpful as we possibly can to say none of us wants to actually invoke the backstop. What we want is, you know, a very good... Trading relationship. Yeah, but that's what the backstop eonies.
4: is, isn't it, Minister? Well, no,
5: it's not. No, 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 no. The backstop is only there in the event of they're mm. not. I'm sorry,
4: I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can so, understand. And
5: actually, I think, in mm. fairness, and I, I hope this has been, you know, said. And if it hasn't, I'm going to say mm. it again, just from my own mm. Uh, mm. mouth. No of us want to invoke the backstop.
6: Yeah, this yeah. is
5: only this, the, the end of the beginning. What we need to move on to is, is that the, the negotiation of the development of a great trading relationship, that's what mm. we want. We Sorry, want that, 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 That's what I meant. Uh, the, the,
4: the idea is that there will be this great trading relationship uh, and uh, if that doesn't happen, then the backstop will be invoked. Uh, and that's what I meant when I said that's what the backstop yeah. is. Uh, yeah. But, it, I mean... You're writing to the MPs. Uh, This appears to be the thrust of it, that uh, EU officials uh, will write to British politicians explaining to them what they're voting on. Uh, It's a little bit like uh, writing it in crayon for them because they didn't understand it first time round.
5: Well, I think to be very fair to politicians of every creed uh, and colour, the backstop, uh, sorry, the withdrawal agreement was a very, very lengthy document. um, And different people can get different opinions or assumptions when they read a document. You could read something and I could read it and we might come both out with a different opinion. All we're trying to do is to hopefully be as helpful as we can from the EU perspective to say it's only a contingency. What our main aim and focus is, is we want to have a decent uh, a prosperous and good economic relationship, a trade relationship with the United Kingdom. That's what we want. That's what, as soon as... We, we, we end this part of the negotiation, that's the first thing we're going to start working on, is is that what our trading relationship is going to look like. And we want it to be as close as possible to the trading relationship that, that we currently have, notwithstanding, obviously, the single market and the customs arrangement. But that's our aim, and that's the United Kingdom's aim. We want to continue trading with each other. The United Kingdom is mm. a huge market, not only for Ireland, but for other European countries, as is our other European countries' huge trading markets for the United Kingdom. We want to keep that. So the backstop is only until or unless something else comes in place of us. Okay. And it's our job to put that something in place. And given I go back to what we all want to happen, which is what we need to focus on, is we want a good trading relationship. So let's get down around the table and start negotiating that good trading relationship so we can pull all of this behind us and continue doing what we do best, which is get on, cooperate, trade with each other,
4: you
5: know, and just hmm. get back to normal oh, okay. well, the,
4: hope, is going to be. the hope is uh, that uh, this will be uh, achieved obviously and it may be hope against hope but even in best case scenario if our hopes are, are realised uh, it's going to bog down the working of Parliament in this country as we've been hearing 45 pieces of legislation will have to be introduced and passed in order to uh, allow for all of this uh, but uh, what else do you expect uh, for the year ahead uh, as you speak to us in the first week of January this morning, Minister?
5: Yeah, well, actually, I, I think this is, apart from Brexit and obviously the, mm. the permutations that that's going to bring, for me, this is an exciting year because I suppose I have an awful lot on our plate. So we I have automatic enrolment, uh, which is our new pension offering. I have total contributions legislation to bring forward. I have a civil registrations bill. We're exploring the possibility of establishing a maintenance agency. There's, there's so much in my own department. And then it's against the added backdrop that... You know, I may not have very long in this department because maybe there'll be a reshuffle or maybe there'll be an election or maybe there won't. I don't know, but it certainly is making me work in sixth gear as opposed to fifth gear, which you would normally expect to have, um, you know, 12 months in a year. But mm. look, I think it's exciting. Um There's a lot of work to be done. Um, not only obviously in my own department but across all different departments um, and that's outside of Brexit but the most important thing I suppose apart from our ordinary day-to-day work which will continue in in January and February um, if we do look like it's having a hard Brexit then obviously we will have those 45 pieces of legislation both primary and secondary um, to work through our own Dáil and Shannon for the month of March with the cooperation of the opposition so
6: Mm.
5: it's going to be interesting uh, 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 with European and local elections coming up to put everybody in this kind of you know, you know a politician like Michael, we all love elections and Indeed. we love a
4: bit of competition. If there isn't a general election though, Minister, do you think that you will remain in social protection, uh, that uh, at the end of the year uh, you'll hold the same portfolio? Because uh, as we speak, uh, the cost of housing is gone through the roof, rent is at its highest ever, the homelessness figures are the worst ever uh, on record uh, and reports that the Taoiseach has lost confidence in Owen Murphy. Would you uh, fancy uh, going into housing?
5: But the first thing I'll say to you is, is that I would like to stay in my own department. I, I really enjoy working in the Department of Social Protection and we have a huge amount of work to do. But I'm not the boss, so I'll obviously do whatever the boss wants me to do. Um, but actually, I think that, that I don't know where the stories are coming from. I know I read the Daily Mail yesterday with that story. Um, it's, it's like it's blatantly not true. Owen and Leo are great mates. They're good colleagues. They work very well, well together. Um, I don't know where the basis of the story is coming, maybe other than rumour or innuendo, or maybe what somebody would like to be the case, but it definitely is not the case. The two uh, men are as probably close as they ever have been. Um, the team that we have is as close as it ever has been. And as I said, we're preparing mm. for European and local elections, also doing the work that we have to do in our own individual departments. But you are right, yeah, there are still huge challenges. Like So the price of well, housing. It's never been worse, is- really. Yeah, well, the challenges exist. and If we didn't have challenges in the country, then you wouldn't need a government. So okay. those challenges are there for us to tackle them and for hit them head on. And we do it as a team. There's nobody, like I don't, okay, I know I'm solely responsible for what goes on in my department, but I need help. And I get help from my colleagues the same way as Owen does, the same way as Leo does, Simon Harris, Simon Coveney, Kieran Cannon, all of us work as a team together and we all help each other out. Mm-hmm. And in particular, I think housing obviously is a challenge. But I hope genuinely for people to be able to see that we're turning the corner and addressing that challenge this year. Um, 20,000 people were provided with new homes and housing solutions which is a horrible word last year we hope to do more and better this year you okay. hope to see more houses being built in the private sector this year so people can be able to afford them and our new uh, affordable housing scheme comes on board this year so look there's lots of challenges but as I said if we had no challenges then you wouldn't need us
4: Minister thank you indeed for joining us as always Thank
5: you very much Mike
4: That's uh, local Fine Ltd TD for me the East Regina Doherty who's uh, the Minister for Employment Affairs and Social Protection
6: Michael, Michael Reid on, on LMFM
4: Well if you've been listening to the radio station at all today i'm sure you're aware of uh, some significant uh, traffic changes in uh, dundalk uh, today through the news bulletins indeed uh, the ad that we were hearing in the break there a few moments ago catherine duff senior engineer with Louth county council is on the line and a uh, very good morning and uh, thanks for joining us uh, maybe you want to reiterate those changes before we talk about why for us uh catherine
1: uh, yes, we're introducing a one-way system on Wednesday, um, and the traffic will be going, um, is unaffected from south to north, uh, but the traffic along the domain will be diverted along the long walk.
4: Alright, and this is part of uh, the rejuvenation programme, which will see five and uh, three quarters of a, a million euros spent on uh, making uh, the town look very, very different, uh, if not a lot better.
1: Yes, um, Council is investing five point seven million in the regeneration of Combas Street and Saint Nicholas's Quarter. Uh, we're significantly improving the public realm, finding a new plaza down near uh, Saint Nicholas's Church, and um, widening all the pedestrian areas, uh, putting in new planting and new seating, and using sort of high-quality granite materials to improve the whole look and the feel of Tombasa Street area.
4: Uh, And I suppose, like anybody who's decorating an old house, uh, you're going to do some of uh, the work uh, that people will be familiar with, like hiding wires and that sort of thing. You're going to clean the place up, uh, essentially, yeah. yeah.
1: Yes, the overhead uh, ESB lines will be all undergrounded, and we are putting in a new water main, so there's advantages with regards to water conservation as well. New parking meters going in, bringing in the latest technology there as well. Wi-Fi, extending the Wi-Fi down the street and also working with the guards, including the CCTV coverage of the street, so improving public safety as well.
4: All right, and uh, I take it uh, a fair bit of the money will be spent on granite.
1: Yes, uh, the actual materials that we're using is a a granite material on the actual public footpath. The actual road will be a a type of asphalt. Uh, So if you're familiar with Market Square, uh, sort of That would have been the first sort of regeneration project we did in the town. So this is now extending that same sort of um, look and feel down Kambassa Street.
4: Give a, a much more modern feel to the a place. A modern
1: feel, a more sort of modern European feel. Uh, and, with look. The, and
4: with that modern infrastructure, there'll be Wi-Fi available for people.
1: Wi-Fi, yes. We have a Wi-Fi in, in the town centre as it is, but we are extending that public Wi-Fi system uh, down Combust Street as part of this project.
4: All right, and it'll look different overall. There'll be uh, new crossings, uh, there'll be new parking meters. The the place, generally speaking, will look different overall and an awful lot of money being spent on it, uh, which is why it'll take a, as long as it will. This won't be done overnight, obviously.
1: No, in fairness, this is a, an 11-month project uh, and we've been working with the traders in consultation with them. Uh, we're starting this week um, after the, the Christmas and the busy um, sales period, so we're starting this week's um, to maximise what would be the, the, the less uh, busy period starting in January and we are hoping to have this finished by the end of November for the next Christmas period.
4: And in different stages, no doubt. People will yeah. undoubtedly uh, face some disruption but hopefully it'll all be worth it.
1: Yes, indeed. No, in fairness, there's going to be um, there's limitations on the contractor as to how much space he's allowed to have open at any one time also his working methods are that he will be finishing each section and moving on so people will probably within the next two or three months will actually get a feel for what it's actually going to look like because each section will be finished uh the first section being up at market square so Probably by March, they'll have an idea as to how the rest of the street is going to look. Mm. Um, so he's completing and working his way down the street.
4: Okay, and I suppose people are used to projects running uh, behind schedule. Uh, is there a risk uh, that the town will be a, a building site uh, for Christmas next year?
1: No, that's actually built into the contract as well That um, with regards to demobilisation should that should that unfortunately happen. But we are working towards a, a end of November completion date and actually we have successfully done this with this contractor before. He actually, by coincidence, was the same contractor who worked on Market Square and he achieved those targets before. So we're hopeful at this point mm. in time, all going well, with nothing unforeseen happening, that we would make those deadlines.
4: All right. Well, uh, no, there'll be disruption, but that's the price of progress. And undoubtedly, yes. there'll be pr- great progress as a, a result of this in 11 months, hopefully, from now, as you say. Uh, and t- thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme. That's morning, great. Thank,
1: thank, you thank you very great. much. Thank you.
4: Thank Bye. you. Catherine Duff, Senior Engineer with Louth County Council. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays
3: from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie
4: Irish history books and years uh, to come back. We'll look on recent months in terms of how this country has introduced abortion. There's been many historic days in relation to abortion in this country. And today, one of the most significant in that some of uh, the first terminations of pregnancies in the state Uh, will happen today legally. Uh, We're joined by Joan Collins, who's an Independence for Change TD for Dublin South Central. And uh, a very good morning to you, Joan, and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, This is what uh, you've spent most of your political life campaigning for. And it's mapped out by Paul Cullen in the Irish Times today as to why women will be receiving terminations uh, because uh, they would have visited their GP on the 2nd of January. There's a three-day lapse uh, before the pills are administered and then there was a weekend in between. Uh, So there's uh, two doses of medication uh, that are are required to terminate a pregnancy. Uh, But uh, despite the slow start, I suppose uh, this is uh, the success that you were looking for.
7: Well, I I think time has moved on. Um, We had the referendum last year, as we know, um, and the majority of people um, voted to... um, repeal the Eighth Amendment, and I think that was an historic day in itself. And now what we're going to see um, with the legislation coming into effect from the 1st of January um, has been possibly a slow uptake um, from the point of view of uh, GPs coming on board um, and the National Maternity Hospitals have some of them have yet to come on board on the basis that they say they haven't got um, the wherewithal to bring in the service um, as yet, but um, the legislation is there now, so... um, women will be able to access these services um, from here on in, which is a um, huge step forward for um, this country, I think.
4: Mm. It's a a slow start, and as we discussed last time round, uh, before Christmas, before the services were to be made uh, available, people were concerned then as to whether the introduction of those services would be safe. Uh, There appears to be similar concerns today.
7: Um, the services will be safe. Um, the, this has been done um, by the medical profession um, who are, uh, who are, know what needs to be done. Um, the Hospitals already perform abortion, ser- uh, abortion services um, before um, the legislation came in in the 1st of January in certain circumstances. So um, really what we're talking about is an extension of those services um, from the point of view of fatal fetal abnormalities um, and women who um, are seriously ill, um, etc., and need. An abortion, uh, if it's life-threatening. Um, but the, the 12 weeks, the, the administration of the um, abortion pill is straightforward enough. Um, and I know that there are GPs who mm. are concerned about protests like what happened last week, um, where their GP, their GP surgeries um, are being targeted by uh, anti-choice uh, groups. And... Um, and we we will have to and we this was raised a number of times during the discussion, the debate in the legislation mm. um last year and the, there is a commitment to bring those um zones um, to uh, protect both workers in surgery and women and and generally patients' access and services and GPs.
4: OK, but there's been concerns from uh, the Irish College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists, the Irish College of, uh, of uh, GPs. Uh, Dr Michael Harty, who's a, a TD uh, and uh, chair of uh, that committee, has also voiced his concerns, saying that the minister overpromised it in relation to how this could be done and that it's being rushed in and uh, compromising safety. I, I don't think
7: so. I I I've... From what I've read over the last period of time, the maternity hospitals that have come on board have said they're, they're, they are confident they can do it. The hospitals that haven't come on board yet, but have committed to come on board in the next week or two, are ensuring that the services are going to be secure and um, and safe. Um, and uh, I, I, this this ha- they have to it has to happen. And if, if the hospitals need um, extra extra support and um, monies. Um, uh, you know. You know anything that they need mm. to actually secure um, uh, abortions, um, they they should get it Im- Im- immediately. Um, and we have to take on board that this service being brought in on top of the, of the health service that's mm. already crumbling.
4: So, do do, uh, do you know how many hospitals uh, are offering abortion services this morning? Uh, because it, it was to be nine nine hospitals said they would be ready uh, by the 1st of January or thereabouts uh, Mm -hmm. and ten said they wouldn't uh, but I I think that figure changed and fewer said they would be ready
7: Um, From the information I received um, uh, there is fewer, the nine that committed not all of them are ready yet um, but the National Charity Hospital is and they began accepting referrals um, this week, the return to hospitals accepting women um, as well so
4: um, I know what about the Rotunda Hospital? Are you worried about the position they've taken? Because they've said that they will provide abortion services to women in the Rotunda if the women live in the area of the Rotunda Hospital, but they won't accept somebody who's outside of the area.
7: I'd be concerned about that, yes, um, because if only a small number of maternity hospitals have, um, you know, are, are able to provide a service, that could be a problem. Um, and I don't think they should... I, I know their concern is that... that It'll be seen as the hospital for referral um, if the other hospitals don't come on board quite quickly. But I think the, the role of um, the Department of Health in that is to ensure that those hospitals come on as quickly as possible so that there won't be this feeling that one hospital or two hospitals are going to take the, um, the majority of uh, referrals. Um, and uh, Yeah, I would be very concerned about that and we will be raising that in the Dáil when it resu- resumes.
4: Right. Uh, one of uh, the hospitals uh, that will be providing abortion services uh, today and uh, from here on in outwards, uh, I, I think, is Our Lady of Lords Hospital in Drogheda. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if uh, you heard the reports yes of priests in Drogheda texting parishioners asking for prayers uh, that women will have a change of heart, not go through with the procedure, and uh, during offertory per- prayers in St Mary's Church yesterday asked for prayers uh, to uh, bring about that change of heart
7: To be honest Michael it's it's everyone's right to you know, (laughs) to protest or to raise issues that they're concerned, there are people who are opposed to abortion um, for various reasons um, and they have the right to have that opposition Um, and if if a group of people think that prayers can change that um, they're, they're right
4: Mm. Uh, And some would say to protest uh, at uh, clinics, uh, which uh, you were mentioning a a moment ago, and uh, until these buffer zones are brought in, undoubtedly we're going to see more of that type of thing. Uh, And then we've heard uh, some of uh, the pro-life groups have come together offering uh, advice to pregnant women Uh, but uh, under the guise of the My Options site uh, this is uh, something undoubtedly that is of concern to you as well
7: Absolutely huge concern I mean that sort of behaviour is just absolutely not on Um, to try and con people um, in relation to the MyOptions.ie that that is a site for women to access information they desperately need um, and on that when on that side, it gives all the options. It doesn't just give options for abortion services, it gives all the options for women. Um, and uh, it should be done through that through that uh, forum. Um, and, and, the, and the protests, uh, we, we know that the history of um, the anti-choice groups in Britain and the USA, so we know there is concern, and I have huge concern, about um, surgeries um, around the country that are being targeted. Um, the buffer zones have to be brought in as quick as possible and um, to try and push that and the people have a right to protest but it shouldn't be directly outside a gp surgery or a hospital we had a, a situation that was actually horrendous during the actual referendum where we knocked on the door and another, um parent uh, answered the door very very distressed saying that her daughter had just come from um, the maternity hospital she had a miscarriage and there was all these protests outside the hospital with pictures of you know aborted mm. fetuses, or so-called aborted fetuses, and all that and i was very very upset and so it does we have to be really concerned that these groups don't, um, don't you know, have that sort of position to be able to do that directly outside hospitals or, or GP surgeries.
4: Yeah, and I suppose there's extremists everywhere. You talk about the UK and America, and we've seen doctors shot coming out of clinics in America mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And uh, hopefully, it doesn't uh, lead to protests uh, on that extreme level. But it, it does seem as though there's a concerted approach being taken, uh, and uh, that minds are focused on, on making their views known uh, in protesting against these services being available I mean when you hear priests uh, talking from the platform and asking people to say prayers about uh, a service a medical service that's being provided at a, a local hospital, it makes you think doesn't it? Well,
7: it does make you think and I know during the referendum the same appropriate were used to um, ensure, uh, uh, you know ask people to go out and vote no, and their families and all that um, for against the repeal of the eight, listen. People have a right to raise issues. Um, I, I, I I'm a Democrat, um, but um, I think we also have, as legislators, uh, the the um, we have the need to actually ensure that these, this legislation goes through, that as many GP surgeries are providing service as possible, family planning clinics, hospitals, so that not one hospital authority can be targeted um, in a way that I hope would never happen. Um, that happened to that young girl uh, after having a miscarriage and that, um, where it's a very, very emotional situation to be in and um, that we just have to ensure that that does not happen and, and keeping our toes in relation to that and the buffer zones will play a, a role in doing that, I, I believe. Um, but we're going to have to sort of week by week see how, this, um, how the services are actually rolled out into our communities and as I, I believe, really, that the more GP surgeries that are providing the service, the less likely they would be targeted uh, in relation to um, uh, providing the service. Um, and we're still going to have women travelling to Britain and other places for uh, abortion as well. But mm. really, the, the GP surgery in our community, the family planning, family planning clinic in our community, will be really the ones that will provide the service. Where
4: it's most needed okay well those services begin to be rolled out from today as we said at the outset and thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, to mark that on the program with us that's independence for change td for dublin south central joan collins
6: Michael Reed
4: on LMFM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns joins us with some of the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good
8: morning, Michael, and to everybody listening in, a text from a listener who says, Michael, if they are not preparing for a hard border, why are more armed response units being moved to the cavern? and Monaghan borders this is a listener in Dundalk another Jack got in touch to say why do we keep blaming Theresa May when she went to Europe trying to get help with her vote on having a no hard border she got no help at all and now we are faced with a hard border it's the Europeans who are at fault with this says Jack okay On your interview with Regina Doherty, Martina doesn't think that Regina should be moved from her current portfolio. She feels that the minister is doing a very good job and she's wondering who would want housing anyway. Hmm.
4: (laughs) Well, that's, I suppose, the question I was asking her. I'm still scratching my head. Uh, What was that uh, first comment about armed guards coming to Cavan?
8: Yes, armed response units. Why are more being moved to the Cavan-Monaghan borders? Are there? Well, according to this listener, though. Oh, are. okay,
4: right. Okay, Fair enough. Uh,
8: on your interview there regarding abortion being available, a listener, Catherine, phoned in to say, I'm disgusted that those against abortion think it's okay to intimidate women who may be considering a termination by protesting outside GPs and clinics. This should just not be allowed. When are uh, the pro-life people going to accept that, that the abortion was voted through.
4: Mm, I would imagine uh, that won't happen, uh, but the doll will resume next week and uh, I think the Minister has promised uh, that he'll introduce legislation which will uh, make for buffer zones uh, around uh, clinics or hospitals or anywhere else uh, that is providing uh, abortion services so it will become illegal to protest within those zones.
8: Well, Jimmy phoned in and he says, do you think buffer zones are going to stop him? Because they won't. He says, I will go to prison for my religious beliefs. Michael, you think I'm afraid of being locked up? No, lock me up.
4: Okay, well, that would stop you, wouldn't it? (laughs) You know what I mean? You won't be protesting outside a GP's clinic if you're in prison.
8: Well, Jimmy goes on to say that no political party represented him during the Eighth Amendment appeal. And there are people who would give their lives for religion in Ireland today.
3: I know that, yeah. Hmm.
8: If abortions are to be carried out in Our Lady of Lords Hospital, the name should definitely be changed, says another listener. Michael, I'm listening in, says Anne-Marie. I cannot believe that it's public knowledge in relation to when and where abortions are taking place. It's nobody else's business. This information should be kept private. How is this in the public domain?
4: Well, we were told that uh, abortions... uh, in hospitals when it's necessary uh, for hospital care uh, will happen in the maternity hospital so there's 19 hospitals in the country Uh, we were told by the 19 hospitals that some were ready to go and some weren't uh, and Our Lady of Lourdes is one of the hospitals that is set to provide the service from this week Uh, so uh, it's not a, a question of uh, individuals uh, being named. No. Uh, there are uh, so many doctors, uh, 165 clinics, if I remember correctly, have signed up, or perhaps more, I can't remember the figure exactly, but uh, those uh, clinics are, are not being published. Uh, but uh, the GP closest to you will be made known to you if you go onto the myoptions.ie site if you're looking for uh, uh, termination.
8: Julie phoned in and she was listening to your interview there with Joan Collins Mm. and she wonders did she hear correctly that the return to hospital Mm. will only accept Mm. certain people in a catchment area and Mm. she says how can this be right if people surely want to go and seek advice and get a termination that they should be allowed to Mm. no matter where they live
4: yeah Yeah, well, I mean, if there's 10 catchment areas uh, where the service isn't available and uh, there's nine where it is and some of them aren't accepting people from outside of their catchment area, obviously there's problems.
8: Um, Another listener, uh, Mary, got in touch and just says that she is shocked at the amount of uh, what she describes as obstacles that appears now to be in place for people who are considering an abortion. She thought that when the referendum was passed, that this would be the end of it and that the opportunity would be there for women to explore their options and to seek a termination in their own country if they wanted but now we are hearing that not all ha- hospitals are going to have terminations and also that you have to be in the catchment area Okay, so that's coming it seems as a surprise to people
4: alright well it was never going to be straightforward I think the uh, issue with the return
2: flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too
4: That has come as a, a surprise to most people, but let's uh, talk about something else for a, a moment. Matthew McGrehan, Rural Development Chairman with the IFA, is on the line to talk to us again about something he's spoken about many times on the program. Of course, uh, uh, every time the sheep are killed, they're different sheep. Uh, but we've more sheep kills to report on, Matthew.
0: Yeah, thanks, Michael. And as much as I like coming on your show, I don't like coming on about this topic. Of course, uh, the whole the whole time. Uh, yeah, I, I make it now about. 21 or two sheep killed in six attacks in the last uh, five five to six weeks in County Loud and uh, the most recent one was in the Major Hollow, Mount Pleasant area there on, on, on Thursday, Friday morning early, uh, Sheamus Flynn had, had three sheep killed it was two sheep reported there on Saturday mm. when I was on your on, on LMFM but uh, another sheep has died there and I was speaking to Shermish, you know but uh, yeah, it's getting it's it's got out of hand altogether. Um, I suppose I have run the, the minister's office, the minister for agriculture, Michael to try and not not just recently, but over the last six months, to try to get him to run an ad campaign, you know, to to warn the dog owners the trouble that the, the the harm that our dogs can do. So I'd be hoping there, if any, yeah. any of the local CDs are out there, that they can help me with that, you
4: know. All right, well, it's the dogs that are killing the sheep. Uh, and I suppose we can give you the opportunity uh, to make that uh, appeal that an advertising campaign might make. Uh, so what do you want to say to dog owners? Because it's the local dogs that are killing the local sheep. What have, uh, what message have you got for the matter? Well,
0: well, that, the, that their dogs are liable. They are, they are liable for, for the compensate farmers. And... Um, Forget about the money, the distress that that this can cause the farmers and, and, and the rest of the flock, you know, is really is really uh you know, you couldn't count it, you know. And and like again like I was contacted there um by a sheep farmer, a hill sheep farmer in the Carlingford area in the days of the new year, who was distressed over um, an Alsatian dog, an Alsatian type dog that was less let loose by its owner that was going for a walk and all his sheep were scattered all over the place, and the dog, you know, briskly uh, running after the sheep up the hills, you know. And we have to, I'd like to state here this morning, that we want people to respect the countryside code, that no dogs are allowed on the mountain, you know, and that that has been agreed back like, in '07, the countryside code, so it has. Mm. And I'd just like people to respect that, you know, because that is, you know, sheep are our livelihoods, and it's our way of life, and, you know, no, nobody is right to take take away our livelihoods.
4: And twenty-one sheep uh, dead, as you say. Uh, yeah, at but least. a
0: lot more, a lot more injured, Michael. Uh, worries, you know, of course, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The stress that this can do to a flock of sheep, an mm. attack like this, is immense. You know, so it is.
4: All right, Matthew, hopefully uh, we won't be speaking to you about this topic uh, too soon in the yeah. future. But uh, thanks for joining us uh, once again this morning. Matthew McGrehan, IFA Rural Development Chairman there. Now, let's go back uh, to more of the calls. Marie, uh, you've yes. a few more people who yes. were in touch with you. Yes,
8: yeah. phoned in from NAVA, not, at anything, not about anything we were talking about today. But he says he's a mass goer and he, he noticed last year, that uh, there weren't as many political parties having church gate collections. As far as he can Mm. remember, the only one was Fianna Fáil. And he says it was this a deliberate decision, he's wondering, by the political parties. Was it the priests that are not allowing them maybe to have the collections or was it their own choice, maybe because of the abortion referendum? He just says he's interested in it. He personally thinks that all political parties should be banned at the church gates because they have enough money. And he doesn't think the sports clubs um, should have church gate collections either, that it should just be about charities. Okay another listener, uh, Mary from Carlingford was listening in on Friday, Michael, and she says that she has been listening over the past number of months to various discussions about the promotion of road safety on the show. Mm. And she says she lives in the omid Carlingford area and there are an awful lot of overhanging trees and it's something that concerns her. She says in Omid recently one fell. Thankfully it fell into a garden, but it's the fourth tree on this particular stretch that has fallen. She says one came close to hitting a bus, mm. and she just thinks it's something that should be looked at that perhaps uh this the trees should be trimmed more Okay. so she wanted to make that point and finally Pat from Kingscourt got in touch on Friday also and he just wanted to ask you Michael had you made a New Year's resolution to be pleasant to your guests mm. he says he hopes so he, it was very easy to listen to you today this was on Friday oh, now maybe you were yeah, in good yeah. humour because of the weekend <laughs> and he says keep it up Michael and a happy New Year to you <laughs> so there you yeah.
4: go. Oh absolutely yeah. thanks uh, Pat and a very happy New Year to you as well and to everybody listening uh, uh, as always uh, if you are listening, and you want to add to what's being said? As always, we'd love to hear from you as pleasantly as possible. Our telephone number is eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight.
6: Michael Reed on
4: LMFM. Now yeah, we'll talk about Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital as uh, the General Hospital in uh, Drogheda is currently known and has been known, I think, since 1957. There is a proposal to change the name and as undoubtedly you've been hearing a uh, large number of people, I think a lot of the papers uh, today, estimating uh, the number of people to be in or around 1,000 who marched to protest against the proposal to change the name of uh, the hospital, and we'll talk about this now with uh, P.O. Smith, who's a uh, Labour Party councillor in the town, and Frank Godfrey, an independent councillor and the Mayor of Drogheda. And a very good morning to both of you, oh. and thank you indeed uh, for joining good us on, yep. here on the programme uh, this morning. Uh, Pio Smith, there uh, was a lot of people there, uh, but a 1,000 people, is it reflective of uh, the view overall, do you think?
3: Uh, well, it's, it's certainly reflective of... Uh, a large portion of the people in the town. Uh, but the hospital serves a wider region. And uh, it mightn't be true to say that it's reflective of everybody from North Dublin right down to Cavan, Monaghan, that area, and Loudon-Mead. But certainly in, in in and around the town was very reflective. Because basically what i seen there yesterday was there was people from a religious faith and there was people who had no faith. Uh, there was people who voted against abortion. There was people who voted for abortion. And uh, what I was getting back from it was it was kind of... About a sense of identity uh, and about a sense of basically uh, non-religious identity for many people. And, and It's a hospital. Yeah, it's a hospital. Uh, but place names do mm. have uh, resonance with people. I mean, like, I often think of brew and Drada. They call it a quality street. Like, if you were to change Butterbrew and uh, people would go bananas uh, mm. in, in relation to that regard. Uh, so I think... You know, from a personal point of view, I'm fed up with chief executives and managing directors of state bodies making decisions without kind of having an awareness of the impact those decisions will have on, on a section of the community. Having said that, I am quite aware, and we've often talked about it before, about the fact that uh, there have been people who have gone through the hospital and who have been hurt down through the years. Uh, so it's a very difficult one in many respects, but certainly from my point of view, uh, I was marching yesterday to retain... The the name of Our Lady of Lords Hospital. Uh, I wasn't doing it on a religious point of view. I was doing it from the point of view of a sense of identity, sense of growing up in the town and relating to it and certainly Mm.
4: against people making decisions without having some type of consultative process about it. Okay, Frank Godfrey, do you think the name of hospital feeds into your own personal sense of identity?
6: Oh, there's no doubt about it. I go back a long time uh, to the time of the um, uh, Lourdes Hospital and the Lourdes Church there, back to 57, the year old one, the All-Ireland and a uh, Lady of Lures Hospital is synonymous with the town and there was a great turnout there yesterday and I was very, very proud of it because Mother Mary Martin honoured the town with her walk and her presence and uh, she was a lady of compassion and uh, she did so much for health not only here in Drada but uh, uh, further afield um, around the globe and um, the least we could do is to honour her memory by retaining the name of, of the hospital that she gave so uh, it's very... Very very important to the mm. people of Groda, our Lady Blood Hospital. You, want,
4: you wanted to erect a, a monument uh, to Mary Martin at one time, didn't you?
6: That's, that's right, yeah. yeah. There, there, there was a statue to be put up to her, and that campaign is ongoing is in it? the yeah. Beech Grove yeah. area. And would, would, would you,
4: if, if that was to be successful, would you support a, a campaign uh, to recognise uh, people who suffered symphysiotomies and hysterectomies in the hospital?
6: Well, look, I'm not going down that uh, road, uh, uh, Michael. You what are. about today? No, you are. No, I'm sorry. The name going. of the hospital. All right. And you have another agenda there. I, I, uh, what I'm saying is we're... No, it's uh, the same agenda. The, 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 the protest uh, was to protect the name of our beloved Lord's Hospital, and most people were born there. They were treated at A&E. They walked there. They visit the sick there and they mourn those who sadly passed away at the hospital. So the hospital is very, very important. It's mm. part of the very fabric of Drogheda life and what we are today. And the biggest it's not the first time in the it, country. It's not the first time. It's not, not the first time. Yeah,
4: well, it's not the first time that people in Drogheda marched. Uh, 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 were you one of the people who, who marched uh, to have Michael Neary reinstated to the Lord's Hospital I, and to I, the I Dhal. didn't
6: get involved in that controversy, but there was big support there. Uh, for that. Uh, people are very sensitive when it comes to Our Lady of Lourdes, and uh, what we're about here is to Sorry. protect and save the name, Michael. If mm. you, uh, that is the focus for our campaign, and may I commend uh, the, the committee, um, the Save the Campaign uh, committee, um, who did wonderful work, mm. um, particularly Kevin Bourne and Bob McGovern and you, did, Nugent, did, did, uh, did, Paddy Townley and others. Did you
4: oppose the march to have Michael Neary reinstated.
6: I, I, as I said, I'm not going down that. We're, we're talking today about Our Lady of Lourdes uh, Hospital and what uh, faceless bureaucrats in Dublin and management at Our Lady and, of Lourdes and, Hospital and, are trying to and, do and is and to igno- take the name away and give it a new name. So, and, Michael, and if ignore, we can talk
4: about that, that's and what ignore, the was about. And ignore the points i no, no, you. you said you're well, not going down that road is, every time I've mentioned it because when you ignore and you are ignoring it when no, you no when, no, no, it excuse, made, no no, uh, no let me fin- let me finish the point because I want to ask you a question when you ignore it you're ignoring the people who were hurt uh, no, that, that was uh, day. Frank, if I can finish the question, when you ignore it, you are ignoring the people who are hurt uh, and the people who have made allegations against Michael Neary, uh, Gerard Connolly, uh, and Michael Shine. Uh, now, would 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 you, would you care uh, to? Uh, Explain to those people why you're ignoring them and why their feelings don't matter and why they were hurt in the past by the people of Dryden. I never
6: said their feelings won't matter. In fact, I can understand very well their feelings and I sympathise with them and what they went through. But I'm not getting into that. Yeah, by building a a statue to Mary Martin and forgetting uh, about symphysiotomy, you want to
4: blank symphysiotomy out of the history books. You want to blank Uh, hysterectomies out of the history books. And then you want to build a statue to Mary Martin.
6: The, the Lord's Hospital as I said is very very important uh, and Mother Mary Martin left a wonderful legacy that's what I'm here to talk about i just today. outlined
4: the legacy to you Pio Smith uh, and to, P. I, P. I let I me go back to Pio Smith uh, what what do you make of the points that I'm putting to you? Because as I've said in the programme before, undoubtedly people feel very strongly about this and uh, whether it's uh, the minority being very uh, vocal or otherwise, I don't know. It's probably not. It's probably the majority view that the name should stay in place. But there's a minority of people who have a, a, a real uh, part in this uh, 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 and it's that minority uh, who actually are being ignored, it would seem, and are not going to be heard. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and I don't think they're intentionally being ignored. I mean, you can't ignore what happened in in the Lord's Hospital. I mean, uh, certainly between some of the doctors that you've mentioned and and some of the horrendous experiences that women have gone through in the Lord's Hospital, uh, similar to many other hospitals across the country, but the fact is that you can't ignore it. Uh, You have to recognise that this is actually what happened. And... You know, you, you asked the question there earlier on, should it be some type of a recognition or memorial to to people who have suffered down in, in the hospital? Well, why not? Like, I mean, the reality is that's part of who we are. That's part of our life. That's part of our legacy. Uh, and thank God life has moved on and changed since then. There's better procedures in place since mm. then.
4: Well, it, it has happened. moved on, but when it, it happened, happened, it was done in the name of Our Lady. Yeah. Yeah, It was done in the name of Our Lady of Lourdes, which is the name of the hospital that the nuns put in place. And a lot of the things that happened were done Mm -hmm. uh, because of the religious ethos Mm -hmm. uh, or because of collegiality uh, and because of that sentimentality uh, and pride that people take in the town of Drogheda the same way that... The people of Drogheda, along with midwives in the hospital, marched to Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital and then onto the doll to have Michael Neary reinstated uh, and called the women involved money grabbers.
3: Yeah, and like, you know, culture... Changes things evolve, and people forget no i don't i don 't think people forget I think people do remember, and particularly the people who suffered and the families who suffered they don 't forget mm. uh, and again, bringing this discussion up the way we're bringing it up today is a way of remembering that uh, those experiences that people had, and that 's good uh, you know people did people did march there was lots of things done in the name of the church in in Mm. the name of religion that had nothing actually got to do with religion Mm. nothing whatsoever got to do with religion Uh, it was people's interpretations of them individuals and groups be they priests and nuns or whatever it is well not every priest and nun uh, can be tied with the same brush Uh, similarly in relation to uh, consultants you know some consultants thought they they were all powerful Mm. Uh, and you know
4: that that culture has changed well uh, a lot of the maternity care or abuse as it was in the hospital was done in the name of religion
3: yeah, but but it wasn't done in, in I'm religious, uh, it wasn't done mm. in my name, and it wouldn't mm. be something that I'd know. No, but it was, done, it was done in the name it, it, of Our Lady of Lourdes. Yeah, the, yeah
4: by, by other people mm. who were saying In the are, name of Our Lady that. of Lourdes, which is why some people want the name oh, changed. Absolutely, mm. I can, and
3: I can understand the mm. fact that there are people who would have no problem with the
4: name being changed. Do you think the priests in St. Mary's want the name changed? I imagine the nuns do. In St. Mary's... Yeah, uh, apparently they were asking uh, people to pray for anybody who was contemplating having an abortion in Our Lady of Lords uh, to have a, a change of heart.
3: I didn't hear that, no, to be mm. honest with you. Like, I go to the Augustinians, but I mean, uh, I think abortions are already taken place in the Lord's Hospital. Mm. Uh, that's the reality of it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so anybody anybody that thinks abortions mm. have not taken place in the Lord's Hospital is wrong. They have. Frank Godfrey, what do you
4: think uh, Mary Martin would think of Our Lady of Lourdes abortion services?
6: Well, uh, she wouldn't be in support of it at all because Mother Mary Martin, and I didn't want to get into this uh, area because we were talking about the name change of our Lady of Newt's hospitals, but in my opinion, like abortions in a maternity hospital is incompatible. You know, imagine uh, how uh, pregnant women are going into the maternity ward and giving birth and there are abortions uh, going going on further down the the, the, uh, corridors. I I mean, um, abortions are in now um, since the fourth Mm -hmm of no. uh, of January uh, but um, and for the this is I anything, suppose it's a legacy to Mother Mary Martin is of, it? of changing the name I don't know
4: well th- no it's all the same thing it's Our Lady of Lourdes abortion services
6: I never heard that
4: well there's abortion services in Our Lady of Lourdes hospital so there's I, yeah, Our Lady I of I, Lourdes yeah, hospital yeah, abortion yeah, services the
6: way you're after saying it yeah. I, I never heard anybody saying that well, it, uh, well, well they they did you
4: did, did, did you ever hear anybody say Our Lady of Lourdes hospital fracture clinic no. OK. Well, I'm afraid... No, I'm, a, no, a, I'm afraid I don't believe you, actually.
6: Protecting the name I of... I don't believe you. ...hospital... Yeah. And um, uh, to get on with the the, the, the business of uh, the hospital, which do great work, you're after mentioning all the things that wasn't good about the hospital, but I can remember some great doctors, great consultants, great nurses, great staff. As I said, 2,000 of them there, the biggest mm. employer in, in, in the northeast And we're very, very proud of mm. what the Lady of Lourdes Hospital has done, and most of the mm. staff are in support of retention of the name, and that's what the campaign was about yesterday. And so do,
4: do do you remember anybody saying to you that uh, they suffered greatly in the hospital and didn't want a, a monument built to Mother Mary Martin? No,
6: no, no, no. You don't remember no, anybody. Nobody, no, nobody came up to me. Nobody, but, nobody ever uh, told me. I'm sure if the monument is put up to Mother Mary Martin, there is a group there at the moment uh, going to uh, honour with a, a, a statue in the Beach Grove area. I, I don't. Nobody have a ever told with you.
4: That. Are you saying nobody ever told you? Of which? That they would not like to see a monument erected to no, Mother no, Mary.
6: no. I've never heard that. No, never. Not one person ever said that. Mother Mary Martin was You're revered. In draw- that she was was You're draw- absolutely
4: certain about that.
6: And as somebody said yesterday, it should be, should be made a saint.
4: And you're absolutely certain that you... That's right. ...were never approached by somebody no. who said that they had suffered in the hospital whatever, and didn't want a statue erected to Mother Mary Martin.
6: ...to honour the memory of Mother Mary Martin, I'm in support as Mayor of Brogada because Mother I Mary know Martin that, was very special. She was inspirational.
4: I know, I, I know how you Broherty. feel.
6: And if the hospital wasn't there, today, nobody we'd have ever, to go no, to
4: Newry or Dublin. Yeah, nobody ever told elsewhere. you. Nobody ever told you, Frank Godfrey.
6: It, it, it's, it's irrelevant what you're actually saying, Michael. And no, you're it's a question from the agenda what we're talking about no, today. I'm not.
4: No, this is the agenda you, you, you for society. You, you are. What, 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 what is more important? Well, I'm, the, I'm, the, the pain and hurt uh, and how lives were changed. Really, for people or town pride? What, 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 Michael, what, what's, what's are you important? in
6: support of the name change of Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital? Yes. And, and so you want to change it? For what good reason do you want to I've change it? I've
4: told you why. Because people were hurt in that hospital.
6: All, I, I understand that. There's no doubt about that. But not all people, the majority of people of Drada and the, the greater Drada area uh, want to retain the name. So you're one in a. In, 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 uh, in a fishbowl that wants uh, That's right. Not change. That's right. Yeah, or, that's oh, sorry, absolutely once right. The name that's,
4: that's absolutely right, yeah.
6: Yeah, well, that's your opinion. Yeah. You know? Hmm.
4: P.O. Smith. But,
6: uh, what, what we're appealing to is to the Minister, Harris, and the HSE mm. in management in Drada who will in have a, the final decision about 10 or 15 of I them know, I mean, to yeah. have a mind ch- a change on this and uh, it's not acceptable to change the name of, of this uh, hospital because yeah. it's part of our heritage
4: Do you remember Michael Neary was struck off the register and, and he was replaced with a locum doctor and uh, the staff didn't want to work with him and that sort of thing and uh, some of the midwives who uh, worked Ma- on the uh, along with the people back of we were talking about we're the the value of the hospital
6: What, host- what we exactly, about yesterday no, and no, really, that it's not. To, no, it's not. Uh, to save, no, it's uh, not. Just the, say the, the hospital name.
4: Peter Smith, can you see the connection?
3: I do. I can understand exactly when where you're coming from in terms of the people who suffered. Uh, like, you know, how do you actually honour the people who suffered? Is mm. the question too? Uh, and I mean, that hasn't, or that debate hasn't taken place, uh, probably because of the fact that people felt that there was a, a time limit in relation to uh, getting support not to change the name of the hospital. And no consideration was given to uh, people who had suffered and who relate our suffering to the name of the mm. hospital and eat us behind that.
4: You see, we, we were sitting here for, I don't know, 10, 15 years talking about things that happened in the hospital. And people were ringing saying, no, it didn't happen. Black was white. Mm. Those women are money grabbers. Mm-hmm. They're good for nothing money grabbers. They smell a few pound... Mm and they're up to the courts or whatever. Mm. Uh, and those women were castigated mm. in this town mm. by the people who took pride in the town and marched for Drada. They marched up to the hospital, and then they went on up to the doll and said, Michael Neary's the best doctor ever. He, he delivered me, uh, and my mother will never forget his kindness and so on, uh, and he should be reinstated. Uh, and eventually then, when the truth was laid out bare, people fell silent mm-hmm. they didn't apologise they didn't come back and say oh I'm sorry now uh, they are hearing that mm-hmm. there are those women the same women who who were hurt in that hospital mm-hmm. uh, and they're being told mm-hmm. doesn't matter it's not it's nothing to do with it this is our town and our name
3: mm-hmm. I don't agree that uh, people are saying that, that
4: You you you've nothing to do with I just heard Frank Godfrey saying you're trying to confuse the issue.
3: Yeah, no, well, Well, that's Frank's opinion. I mean, uh, like, as I said yesterday, I I spoke to people who are religious and and other people who are non-religious. There was a good, broad mix of people that were there. You know, when you reflect back on any action that's been taken, we can always look at things and say we could do things better. And certainly in relation to remembering people who have suffered. Because, I mean, I have my own personal uh, uh, experiences of a certain doctor in the Lord's Hospital, as many other people have around the town. And I remember way back when people were talking about that individual, uh, you'd nearly be told to shut up that there's yeah. no way that could actually happen Yeah, you know and yeah. the reality is we know now that it
4: did Yeah, and a uh, rallies around its own type well I of
3: thing. wouldn't yeah. say yeah. I, I'd say people people who felt loyal to that individual mm. and maybe in the case of Dr Neary uh, mm. co-workers who felt loyal uh, and this is th- this is a thing too that has evolved I'd say
4: quite a number of those people were on that march yesterday as well but possibly I don't know yeah. uh, but I mean now
3: people are uh, becoming more objective they're becoming more critical mm. we don't take what the authority says for, mm. f- as uh, as gospel anymore, we question. And that's, got, that's a result of education. Well, that's what
4: happened in 2000 when the nurses, along with the public, marched to the hospital saying, we're not taking what you're saying, reinstate Michael Neary. Yeah, and I mean, that was a point of view that people
3: were expressing back then. And, uh, I mean, that's the, their mm. right to do that. That's the freedom of, to do that. Now, they got it wrong. Mm. Uh, and equally, you know, but this is the point that I think you're making, and, and I think we're all trying to make as well, that we need to be cognizant of the fact that people suffered,
4: mm. and there is a different point of view out there than the one they mm. hold and, how do and we possibly a different point of view than what the nuns hold uh, and what the priests hold. Uh, let me just conclude with Frank Godfrey. Uh, Frank uh, final word, go on.
6: Well, uh, first of all, um, I would like to say that the final decision is now with the HSC management team with regards to the changing of the name of a Lady of Hospital. We will be appealing to them um, n- not to change the name. A petition and a registered letter was handed in to the hospital, which was received at the door yesterday of the hospital. And um, now uh, the, the proposed change hopefully... Um, it's, it's not going to happen mm-hmm. and um, no decision has been made uh, at the present time and um, it will be, I believe, before uh, March. Uh, however, the campaign will go on to retain the name of A Lady of Lords Hospital and no other issue should have. It's just a name. It's a name of a hospital and things went on, many, many... In
4: uh, in uh, your opinion, in the opinion um, of some people who were treated or mistreated in that hospital, it it is is the um, same issue.
6: I understand the Uh, argument, and I'm sympathetic to those Ah, who have been hurt by it all, But nevertheless, it's just a name, and it shouldn't be about um, um, uh, legislation, abortion legislation, or anything else. It's uh, the retention of the name. People just love our lady of Lord.
4: Listen, Frank, I have to leave there. Thanks very much indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, That's independent councillor Frank Godfrey, who's uh, the mayor of Hadrahada, and with us in studio, Labour Party councillor Pio Smith.
6: Michael Michael Reed on LMFM.
4: Now let's talk about how we run this country or how we fund the running of this country with Father Sean Healy, the Director of Social Justice Ireland. Good morning to you Sean and thanks for joining us to talk about corporation tax once again and the rate of tax that some of the wealthiest companies in the world the multinationals who are based in this country pay here. There's often been criticism and some people saying that quite often it's less than 4%. We heard of course of uh, the Apple revelations uh, which saw less than half a percent uh, of profits being paid in tax to the state which goes towards building hospitals and roads and so on Uh, but last week we were told that 7% of all of the tax that the government raises comes from just 10 companies. So that's 10 very important companies. So is the policy correct when you look at it in that context? Because every time you lose one of those companies, if that was the result of changing your policy, you'd be in big trouble.
9: I think there's there's two questions uh, here really. One is the question of the uh, spread or how we actually make up the tax take and the second is the level of the tax take because I think there's a general agreement among people who look at the bills that we're going to have to pay in the next 10 years in terms of uh, things that need to be addressed like our water system or uh, or the fact that we have to pay for pollution fines for CO2 failures and things of that nature. Um That we have to increase our total tax take. But if we look simply at the structure of the tax take at the moment, yes, there are, Ireland takes a higher proportion of its taxation from corporations than is the average or is the norm across the developed world. Uh, so Ireland takes about a total of about 12% of its total taxes uh, from the corporate sector, whereas uh, the, the norm across the development world is about 9%. But actually, that's only that's smaller by far than the differences we see in other areas. For example, in income tax, Ireland takes 32%. Uh, compared to 24% in the rest, uh, in the sort of your uh, mm. average among the, the developed world countries. So we're taking quite a substantial higher, like um, 8 percentage points higher uh, for, uh, in income tax than the, uh, than the norm, whereas we're taking just 3 percentage points higher on the corp, uh, in, uh, taxation from corporations. Mm. The interesting thing to look at is what are we taking less of? Mm. And we're taking less in social insurance payments, particularly in employer's social insurance, but also a little bit lower in employee PRSI, but uh, a lot lower in employer's PRSI. Mm -hmm. So the situation there is that the the average is that most countries take more than a quarter of their total taxes come from taxes uh, for social insurance whereas in Ireland it's only 17%. It's 17% compared to 26% in, in the, across Europe. So the, the, what Ireland is doing in effect is it has a higher tax take, a much higher tax take uh, in income tax as a proportion of its total taxes and a relatively uh, bit higher, like 3 percentage points higher mm. for a corporation tax. But on the other side uh, we're taking much lower uh, PRSI, uh, social insurance taxes.
4: Uh, and your point being that we shouldn't be as reliant on corporation tax as we are and that for those who are providing a- employment uh, they should be contributing more to social services, uh, PRSI would go to fund uh, people's pensions and the public health service and that sort of thing.
9: And and yeah precisely and like I think we, what I suppose I'm really saying is that the the challenge or the the, the issues that need to be addressed go beyond the, the question that was raised last week around whether or not we're putting too, much, too many of our eggs in corporation tax basket, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, because in reality, we have a situation in which there is Ireland's overall tax take is low, but we have a different kind of a structure to our tax take uh, compared to the... the, the the, the, the rest of the developed world and I think we need to be uh, a, a little bit careful about that. Particularly I think there needs to be a much greater recognition of the importance of social insurance payments. If we want a good healthcare service for example it has to be paid for. Uh, we can have an arguments about whether it can be more efficient and we've, we've often argued uh, uh, Social Justice Ireland has often argued that obviously the health system could be more efficient, but it also needs to be recognised that to get a good service, you have to pay for it. So health, education, the various services, and it, they need to be paid for properly. Likewise, if we're going to look at the overall needs of the country in the years ahead, we're going to have to look at the overall tax take because in actual fact, Ireland takes a low tax take, no matter how you measure it. Um, compared to the other developed countries. Now, people, if you compare GDP, percentage of GDP, for example, percentage of the whole economy, mm. um, we're, we're much lower altogether than, than the rest of the developed world. But there are problems with Ireland's GDP uh, and how it's, its that's the gross domestic, domestic product, how that's actually counted and so on. But even if you count it as the way the government wants it, counted as GNI star gross national income uh, with, with uh, qualifications, um, even if you count it that way, we're still uh, lower than the European average, and uh, not hugely though, but a bit. Say we would, if we were to take uh, about mm. the, Euro- the average, we'd have to take it about another two and a half billion euro in taxation so we need to have that taxation so that for example we can pay uh, for uh, repairing and modernizing our water infrastructure for example or paying for the for the rural broadband that needs to be put into place or paying our increased uh, EU contributions because uh, we're 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 becoming more and more uh, a wealthy country and we're becoming a net contributor to the European Union and we have to pay our share in there there may be implications of the Brexit change as well, that Mm. may have an implication there, but even if it didn't, uh, we still uh, need to face up to the fact that we will have additional EU contributions in the years ahead. So those kinds of things, plus the fact that our national debt, uh, which is costing us over 6 billion a year to service at the moment mm. may cost us a bit more if te- interest rates go up in the coming years. And
4: okay so on. but whilst there is this opportunity uh, to raise taxes in a different way mm-hmm. does that make it right to turn our nose up to this opportunity which is a, a, great, a great opportunity. I mean the government spends about 55 billion euro running the country right. on an annual basis. Uh, a, a little over 10 billion comes from business taxes. Mm. 10.4 billion mm-hmm. I think it is uh, and 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 $4 out of that came from 10 companies. Now, if they're availing of special measures that see that 12.5% rate of corporation tax being reduced for them one way or another, or they're paying little or nothing in comparison to what they're making in profits, does it matter when they're contributing €4 billion?
9: Well, I think... There's two questions. Like, we should absolutely take the €4 billion. Euro. I, I'm not suggesting that that shouldn't be the case at all. Mm. And I would have taken it further, for example. I would certainly have taken the um, the money that Apple had available, for example, rather than going and challenging it in courts, across, uh, in European courts, uh, which is what the Irish government is doing. But... Um, I, I certainly would take the money that's there, but I would use it much more carefully. I think the thing that needs to be uh, looked at and, and needs to be focused on is it, this may well be one-off money, and we should use it to fund one-off expenses. So, for example, if you, if you put the money into repairing and modernizing your water infrastructure, then you have your water infrastructure in place for, for the next century. Now that's the kind of investment that needs to be done. If we get a windfall from corporation tax, use it. The biggest issue that needs to be done at the moment is uh, housing. The biggest issue that's on, like, not being addressed, and uh, we are not producing anything remotely close to the the levels of housing that are required to deal with the housing crisis that we have. And we're not just talking about homelessness. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the fact that rents are way beyond what people should have to pay. And we're also dealing with the fact uh, that the cost of buying a house is now getting beyond large proportions of the population. Now, all of those issues are seriously problematic. For example, and they have have long-range implications. Mm -hmm. For example, if uh, we continue, if this continues, we're going to have to deal with pensions in a completely different way because the Irish pension system is structured on an assumption uh, that the, the vast, vast majority of people when they retire actually own their own houses and have more or less paid for their mortgage or are in social housing at a relatively low cost. Now, the way we're going at the moment, that's actually changing Dramatically, because large numbers of the population are not going to be able to access to purchase a house, and then on the other hand, large numbers of people who should have access to social housing aren 't getting social housing simply because we 're not providing uh, building the, the social houses necessary so there 's been a dramatic failure of government on the housing side. Now we have an opportunity with this with with windfall money from corporation tax use it solve the problem we'll say of social housing build 85 90 000 social housing units that goes hugely towards would make a huge difference because okay. it would reduce dramatically the, the housing waiting list bring it very close to, to, to uh, manageable proportions and being able to manage it year by year. Ah, right. uh, and on the other side, it would also reduce rents because it would take 90,000 house or 85,000 households mm. out of the sort of market rent situation. And those houses then uh, become a situation, they, they, they change their situation uh, from being one where there's in. in insufficient supply for a huge demand to a situation where there's more equilibrium between supply okay, and demand. When that happens, that, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, the, the price will, will, will level out.
4: I imagine there are just some of uh, the suggestions you'd have for how government should spend the money Absolutely. it raises, Sean, but I uh, have to leave it there for the moment and thank you as always Glad for joining here us here always. on the programme this morning. Me. Sean Healy, Director of Social Justice Ireland. Michael,
6: Michael Reid on, LMFM. on
4: LMFM. Sometimes we get more calls uh, than other times and uh, the reason this time has been the proposed uh, name change uh, to the hospital in uh, Drogheda and uh, I think a, a lot of people uh, want to retain the name Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. Marie, you've been speaking to a lot of people since we've been talking about yes. it and I think some of them have been uh, uh, critical to say the least of me.
8: Yes, <laughs> Mary text in to say that you're a horrendous bully to quote her, and that your good humour didn't last long. They are changing the name because of what happened in the past. Stop bullying people, says Mary.
4: Okay, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just... Uh, that's that's fine. Uh, I'm sure uh, she's uh, right. Uh, but I just didn't understand the last bit. They, 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 they are not Oh, they are not the changing the name. They sorry, I, I didn't hear the not. Sorry, okay. I,
8: maybe yeah, I read yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah, okay, they are yeah. not... Mm-hmm. I, I don't like calling anybody a bully, so mm-hmm. they are not changing the okay. name because of what happened in the past. But it's not me that's calling you the bully, it's Mary. Yeah, fair comment. Okay. Jimmy, Nash rang in and Jimmy is organising the statue uh, for Mother Mary Martin as a tribute to her. And he says, that he really is annoyed with you Michael that it's not Mother Mary Martin who did anything wrong in the hospital she didn't carry out any operations or that went wrong and she says that he says that it's not fair uh, the way you are talking Mm. about her and uh, he feels that he will continue mm. to organise that statue. It's something that a lot of people want.
4: Okay, Fair comment, Jimmy. Uh, I just would say, though, that that uh, reminds me of the statement that the nuns issued uh, when uh, they were asked uh, to make comment on uh, the Neary scandal, I think it was, and they said, yeah, well, look, we apologise. There were allegations against Michael Neary and uh, Michael Shine and uh, Gerard Connolly and lots of other doctors in the hospital over the years, and they said, look, we're, we're sorry for what the doctors did at the hospital. had nothing to do with us. They never apologized uh, and they never paid anything in compensation they did pay an awful lot of money to the solicitors though
8: can i ask you a question says another listener Mm. every time a hospital or doctor makes a mistake are we going to change a name one other thing can you find out the price to change the name not the estimate actually the final price Mm.
4: that's a very good question yeah
8: if Michael is in favour of a change of name, why the hell is he bringing people on the radio? What chance do they have the cheek of him? Is he even from Drogheda? Says another texter.
4: OK, well, we had two people on this morning, as indeed uh, we've had many people on. Uh, and I suppose that's uh, the idea of uh, debating an issue.
8: Yes, we did have Imelda Munster on. Mm. and Matt in Drogheda is referring to that and yep. says it's funny how you treat Frank and Pio Tea and biscuits in comparison to Imelda. Okay. Says Matt. Mm. Your programme is absolutely disgraceful. Okay. May Our Lady of Lords pray for you, Michael. You need it, says Martin from Northern Ireland.
4: Well, thank you for your kind thoughts, Martin. Jack says
8: you should be removed from the debate because you are not a fair per- person on this issue.
4: Mm. Would I be fair if I took one side instead of the other side?
8: Well, according to. Jack, you are taking one side.
4: (laughs) Yeah, but if I took the other side instead of that side, (laughs) would that be fair?
8: Well, another listener contacted us to say that you should be completely impartial. We shouldn't know your view one way or the other. Mm. Is that not the role of a presenter?
4: Yeah, but I thought Jack was saying it was a debate. If nobody uh, questioned what was being said, it wouldn't be a debate. It would be a consensus.
8: A name change is not going to take away what happened in the hospital, says Anne. Uh, Another listener, Jack, says, should the HSE be changed after all the scandal took place when they were in control of the hospital? Cop on, Michael, says Jack. Another listener wants to know, what is your problem?
4: I think a lot of the stuff predated the HSE. Uh,
8: Another listener wants to know, what is your problem, Michael, with the Lord's Hospital?
4: I've no problem at all with the Lords Hospital. Uh, you couldn't find a bigger fan. I was a, a patient. Uh, the staff in the Lord's Hospital saved my life, to be quite frank. I spent an awful lot of time, far longer than anybody would wish to be in a hospital. It's not uh, something any of us wish for, but I uh, got the best of treatment and I've no problem at all with the hospital.
8: Joe points out that if you say something wrong about somebody on the radio and as a result it hurts that person's feeling does that mean that you Michael has to change your name to solve the hurt by changing the Lord's Hospital name it does not get rid of the hurt okay that's that point okay but it might
4: be a recognition of it
8: you don't christen a child twice there is no need for a name change and if you can, and to Frank Godfrey, if you can't get your point across, hang up the phone because Michael can't do the show without you and it's the only way you will get an apology out of Michael, Okay, says this listener. Mm, mm. Ask Michael, does he honestly think changing the name of the hospital will erase the bad points he so anxiously wished to highlight this morning? And that comes in from Donald. And there's loads more mm, where they come from, Michael. Mm, yeah,
4: <laughs> well, the answer to the last one is no, I don't uh, unfortunately think uh, that they will be erased uh, because you can't uh, erase history like that, uh, but perhaps you could recognise uh, the hurt uh, that was caused to people who wish not to be castigated in public once again, as they were many times over the years. Alright, uh, we leave it there for the moment. Thanks for that Marie, thanks to everybody who's been in touch with us uh, and uh, God willing we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning, bye bye the michael reed
3: show podcast tune in weekdays from nine on lmfm to contact us email now michael at lmfm.ie